Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. Well, hey, everybody. Uh, as my wife mentioned earlier, welcome to uh, my basement, a.k.a. makeshift recording studio for the next couple of weeks and uh, church at home. Um, I know that last week we had the opportunity to gather together with our groups and to enjoy worship and the word together. And uh, I know that it isn't ideal that we're once again isolated and not able to do so. But I just want to say thank you for being committed to getting to church, whatever church might look like in the next couple of months, and for making this a priority. I I really do believe that even in the midst of all of this, God's going to do some great things in our life. And I also want you to know that as a community here and as a leadership team, we are wholeheartedly committed to making sure that whatever we need to do to get church into your living room, we're going to do it. If that means we set up studios in our basement to film church, we're going to do whatever it takes to make sure that worship and the word make their way to your living room or to your computer every single Sunday morning. Because rest assured, in just a short period of time, we're going to be back together again in the room together, high-fiving, no masks, uh, no, no gloves, just, just high-fiving hand-to-hand and giving each other hugs, and it's going to be amazing. I really hope it's going to be soon. I don't think I can do this for forever. <laughs> I, uh, I feel a little bit weird preaching to a camera. This is not like normal for me. It kind of reminds me of when I first started in ministry and first started preaching. Um, I'd like rehearse my sermons to myself, and because I didn't want my wife to hear me doing it, I was a little bit embarrassed. I, I would walk around this path by our house, and I would start preaching to myself the sermon that I wrote. And uh, sometimes I get like, you know, kind of passionate while I was preaching, and I'm like, you know, God's gonna do something great in your life. And as soon as I started to get passionate, it, it never failed. Some jogger would run up from behind me, and they would, you know, hear me preaching to myself, and they'd kind of look at me sideways while they while they ran by. And uh, I kind of feel like that right now. I feel like my neighbors are listening in, and this is going to get a little bit weird in the weeks to come, but all my neighbors need Jesus, so it's going to work out just fine. They, they kind of need to hear the gospel, but let's get into the word this morning. Um, we started a series last week called uh, How to Stand in the Storm, and uh, it seemed to be even more timely as this last week took place. As many of you know, the, the storm just seemed to get more and more aggressive as news came out and, you know, quarantines and stay at home and all the stuff that we've been experiencing for the last week. And so as the storm continues to grow, uh, I think it's important that we once again talk about how do we stand in the midst of this. And, you know, I, I know that we're praying for a miracle and I, I wholeheartedly believe that God can intervene and he can do a miracle and this thing can, can come to a very quick close. But in the event that it doesn't, I think it's really important that we understand practically how are we going to walk through this season? What does it look like to do this for weeks or maybe a month or maybe two months or who knows how long this thing might take? What does it mean to stand in the middle of the storm, however long that storm might might be? So last week we talked about uh, making sure that our lives were built on bedrock. Uh, if you remember the two thoughts I gave you, I said, I don't want you to worry. I just want you to worship and I don't want you to panic. I just want you to pray. Don't panic, just pray. Don't worry, just worship. And those were the words that uh, Jesus preached at the conclusion of his Sermon on the Mount. Uh, And today we're going to look at another storm in the life of Jesus, although this time it's not a storm that he speaks about. It's a storm that he actually experiences with his disciples. Uh, There's a story in the book of Mark, chapter 4, and if you've got a Bible, you can turn there right now. But Here's the setting. Jesus has just concluded another amazing sermon, and he's been telling some stories and using some parables on the Sea of Galilee. And uh, at the conclusion of the sermon, he turns to his disciples and he says, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. And so they get into the boat and they head off to the other side. And here's what it says in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. 
It says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross over to the other side. And so they took Jesus in the boat and they started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. I love that the Apostle Mark leaves that little bit of information in here. He's like, hey, just want you to know, Jesus brought a pillow with him on this trip, and so he, he was actually planning to take a nap. This was not like he dozed off. Like, this was a planned snooze. And so he was sleeping on a pillow. His head was on a cushion. The disciples woke him up, and they were shouting, teacher, don't you care that we're gonna drown? When Jesus woke up, oh, he, he rebuked the wind, and he said to the waves, silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And then he asked his disciples, why were you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Such a, a powerful story with a bunch of applications, especially when you consider our current context. There's a lot that we could unpack there. Uh, we could talk about the fact that the disciples on that boat were disciples that had been experienced fishermen, and this is not a storm that should have been all that uncommon to them, and many of them had walked through difficult storms on the Sea of Galilee before, although for whatever reason, this one was more extreme, and they were terrified, thinking they were going to lose their life, and so although they had experienced some storms, this storm was unique in nature, and we could say the same with the storm we're walking through right now. Some of us have been alive longer than others. Some of us remember 9-11. Some of us remember the recession. We remember some storms we've walked through, but this one does seem a little bit unique. It does have uh, some, some aspects to it that, that, that are unfamiliar to us and, and feel like, oh my gosh, is this going to be the one that takes us out? Uh, we, we could even talk about the fact that at the uh, conclusion of this story, the disciples uh, make this statement. They said, who is this man that... Even the wind and the waves obey his voice. And that's an easy one to preach. We can talk about the fact that all of creation is subject to the voice of God. All of creation listens to every word that comes out of Jesus' mouth. And so in the midst of a situation where we don't have a cure and we don't know what's gonna happen, one word from the mouth of Jesus could still this entire storm and we could pray in faith that God would speak and still whatever we're walking through right now. And all of those are great and they preach well, but there's a couple things I wanna focus on in this story that, that might not be as obvious. Uh, there's some questions that, that pop up in the text here two that are written in the text and one that is assumed that I want to dive into because I think these three questions that we see in this story are questions that all of us need to be able to answer if we're truly going to be able to stand in the midst of the storm that we're facing right now. Uh, the first question we see here is, does Jesus care? The disciples uh, look to Jesus after he's been sleeping in the boat and they've been doing their best to bail out all of the water and they, they make this uh, accusation. It, it sounds like a question, but it's really an accusation uh, against Jesus. They, they, they look at him and, and they say, Jesus, don't you even care that we're going to die? Don't you care about what we're facing right now? D do, don't you see what's happening? Is, is, this, is this just not important to you? You're just going to snooze and, and doze off in the middle of our despair? Don't you care about what's happening? They, they seem to equate his, his inaction to negligence, this idea that, that Jesus doesn't actually care about what they're walking through right now. And it, 
To say that Jesus is negligent, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty bold accusation. It might even border on the line of, of irreverent, but I think it's a question that all of us have probably asked in one way or another. Maybe you've never uttered it out loud, and maybe you haven't said it in the midst of the storm we're facing right now, but it's definitely a thought that's crossed our mind. Like, does, does Jesus really care about what we're facing right now? Does, does Jesus even see what's going on? To ask Jesus that question in, in the middle of this storm, I think is, is to question whether or not he's doing his job. I mean, in the essence of that question is this, this thought that Jesus isn't doing what he should be doing right now. It's to say, hey, Jesus, I, I thought that following you meant that we didn't have to walk through some of this stuff. I thought following you meant that I was like insulated from some of this. And here I am walking through something that I didn't deserve and I, I didn't bring this upon myself. And isn't it your job to make sure that I don't have to endure what we're enduring right now? And no offense, Jesus, but it kind of feels like you're asleep on the job. You literally fell asleep on the job in this story. I don't know if that's ever happened to you before. Have you ever fallen asleep in the job? But. Uh, it has definitely happened to me. I, uh, I, have, I have fallen asleep when I shouldn't and uh, probably taken some money from my employer that I didn't deserve as a result of falling asleep on the job. I remember when I was uh, fresh out of high school, I was between jobs, and uh, a friend of mine, his father owned a, a company that hauled hotel furniture. And when I was between these two jobs for a couple of weeks, I asked if I could kind of sub in and work a few days with them. And they let me work with them for a little while. And it was one of the hardest jobs I ever had to do. Uh, we'd wake up at four o'clock in the morning. And at that time in my life, 18, 19 years old, I didn't even know that four o'clock in the morning existed. I'm like, I'm pretty sure Jesus is not alive and awake right now, but, but you guys are out here doing your thing. So we wake up at four o'clock in the morning, we pile into this pickup truck, and uh, we would make our way to these, these different hotels. And they weren't nice hotels. It wasn't like the Westin or the Ritz or, you know, the bougie ones. Uh, it was like, you know, Motel Doug or, you know, some really random guy's name. These hotels that no one would really want to stay in. But uh, our job was to remove all of the furniture from the rooms, to put them in a dumpster, and then to install some new furniture inside these hotel rooms. But the problem was... We weren't allowed to use the elevators like the rest of the guests. Um, those were reserved for, for those that were paying customers. We actually had to haul all of this furniture up the utility stairs. We would literally load it on our backs and find you know, weird ways to get up through these stairwells. It was like that, uh, that Friends episode where they're trying to get the couch up and they're like, pivot, pivot, pivot. You know, Ross is yelling at all of his friends. And I mean, that's literally what my life was like for a couple of weeks. Just randomly trying to get this furniture upstairs. And about halfway through the day, the, the boss would leave and he would go to another job site, bring some new guys over there to get started on another set of furniture. And the second that the, the boss would leave the, the job, um, all of us that were still remaining at that site, we would take shifts um, in a hotel room where we'd kind of just lay down for a couple moments in the bed and, and, and we'd conk out for a few. We'd take a little nappy nap, if you will. And, you know, when the boss came back, they'd, woo, woo, morning, morning, and everyone would wake up and we'd pretend like we were working the whole time. And you can judge me all you want, but, you know, as an 18, 19-year-old kid, uh, I just felt like it was an injustice that I had to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and work that hard. So is that, is that what Jesus is doing right now? Is, is Jesus falling asleep on the job? Is Jesus like, hey, you know, I've been doing a lot of ministry. I'm pretty tired. You guys, yeah, you're, you're, you're important to me, but, you know, I just, I really need to rest up. I need to recharge right now. Is that, is that what's happening in here? I don't think it is. 
I, I don't think Jesus sleeping in the boat is a sign of negligence. I don't think it's a sign that he doesn't care about his disciples. In fact, I think it's the opposite of negligence. I, I think that Jesus sleeping is actually confidence. I, I think it's this sense that he knows how to be still when no one else does, that there's this quiet confidence in Jesus that, that this thing is not gonna end like everybody else thinks it is. Think about it. What kind of person can, can sleep in the middle of a storm where other people think they're gonna lose their life? What, what has to be happening inside the heart and the mind of somebody to just be cool as a cucumber when everybody else is freaking out? I'll tell you, it's the confidence in knowing that what everybody else thinks is going to happen is not actually going to happen. The reason Jesus was able to sleep in the middle of this storm was not because he was negligent, but rather because he was confident that this was not gonna kill him and it wasn't gonna kill his disciples and this was not the end of them. This was just a moment in time, a blip on the radar, a tiny little storm in the middle of the Sea of Galilee and they were in fact gonna get to where they were going. Jesus confidently knew this is not where it ends. So listen to me today. If it feels like in the middle of all of this, despite the praying and despite the intercessors you know, that you've been asking to pray for you and all of that, despite it all, if it feels like Jesus is still remaining silent, it's not because he's negligent, it's because he's confident. He understands that this thing is not gonna take us out. This is not the end of the church. This is not the end of the nation. This is not the end of your life, the end of your career. God's got this in the palm of his hand. And if it feels like he's sleeping, he's not. He does care. And not only does he care, he loves you too much to see you die here in the middle of this storm. He's gonna bring us through it. So, so that's, that's the first question. Does God care? Absolutely he cares. But, but then the second question that I think we need to look at is one that, that Jesus poses to his disciples in this whole scenario. After he speaks to the wind and the waves and he commands the storm to be still, he looks at his disciples and he says, why were you afraid? Why were you guys so scared in the midst of this? Now, the answer to that question seems rather obvious, right? I mean, well, Jesus, we were scared because we thought we were going to die. I mean, that's, it's right there. It's in the black and white. I mean, you can read, we thought we were gonna die. That's why we were scared. But I don't think that this is a surface question. I think this is actually a deeper question that Jesus is asking the disciples. And I think that's revealed in the fact that he follows up this question with a second question. After he asks them, why were you afraid? He says, do you still have no faith? He, he equates their fear to unbelief. He, he says, because you, you were afraid, it shows that, that you didn't believe. Believe what? Well, believe what I said. See, remember, this whole story started out with Jesus making a statement to his disciples. Hey, we're going to go to the other side of this lake. Get in the boat, we're gonna go to the other side of the lake. And you can pretty well guarantee that if Jesus, the one who created the heavens and the earth in cooperation with the Father and the Holy Spirit, the one who was born of a virgin, died, rose back to life on his own accord, no one had to resuscitate him, like the miraculous God. You can guarantee if Jesus said, hey, we're gonna go to the other side of the lake, that you're gonna make it to the other side of the lake. 
And so Jesus was not suggesting that their, their, their concern in the middle of this storm was what made them faithless. Rather, what Jesus was saying is, I heard what you said, guys. You said that you were gonna die. Don't I care that you're gonna die in the middle? Of the, you're not gonna die in the middle of this lake. This isn't where it ends for you. I already told you we're gonna make it to the other side. It's not the concern about the storm. It's the fact that they thought they weren't gonna get through it. Now, that's an important distinction for all of us to make because especially as we consider the current storm we're facing, there's a lot of ideas about what faith and fear look like right now. I've been in a lot of conversations this last week and I'm sure you've seen some of them on social media and I've even had them internally with myself where there's this assumption that if we cancel the church and we meet in the living room and people stop you know, going out into society and if we do everything that the, the government is asking us to do right now, that in some way we have, we've surrendered. We've, we're waving the white flag and we're just saying, you know what, we're, we're just gonna, we're gonna follow suit here. We're giving up on faith. We're, we're giving up on gathering. You know, we're just gonna, we're gonna let this thing pass. Like almost like it's this faithless, spineless thing to do to comply with what we're being asked to do. I don't think that's the case and here's why. While Jesus is a fearless leader, He's also a good father. Like, I consider myself to be a, a pretty decent father. I think I'm a good father. Um, at least that's what I tell myself most of the time to make myself feel good about the way I parent my kids. But as a good father, I think one of the things that I pride myself on is not putting my kids in a place of harm. I don't want my kids to get hurt. I don't want my kids to, to, to risk their lives. That's what makes me a good father in some ways. But imagine for a moment, my wife and I, we live over by Lake Merced, um, and we see the occasional coyote running around out there, and uh, sometimes they gather together and they run together across the street from our house, and you know, most of the time they're harmless. But imagine for a moment if I saw this ravaged pack of coyotes, and you know, there was a rumor going around the neighborhood that the coyotes were after kids right now, and the second they saw a kid, they were gonna, they were gonna you know, chomp them up and eat them up, and you know, imagine if I looked at my, my two little daughters and I said, all right, guys, listen, here's the deal. The Biddles were people of faith. And I understand that there's coyotes out there that want to eat kids, but come on, we're going to go outside anyway in faith because we believe that God is for us and not against us. We're not going to live by fear. We're going to live by faith. Okay. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's a good idea. Like, I don't know if that's faith. It's definitely stupidity, but I don't know that it's faith. The reality is that there's coyotes outside. And if there's coyotes outside that are ready to eat kids, it wouldn't be a move of faith for me to put my kids in harm's way. No, it would be wisdom for me to keep them from harm. Now, on the same side of things, if I were to say, okay, guys, you know what? There's coyotes out there and this is probably the end and we should, we should leave our house and move to another neighborhood and you're never gonna be able to go outside and roller skate again and this is the end of fun as we know it and life is horrible. That's different because now I'm admitting defeat. And when I admit defeat and I just walk away with my tail between my legs, yes, that can be considered unbelief and faithless. But to operate with wisdom is not to be faithless. See, see, Jesus was not mad at his disciples because they were concerned about the storm. He wasn't even mad that they were taking buckets to try to bail out some of the water from the boat. His accusation of unbelief was because 
They thought this is where they were going to die. And Jesus has already told them, you're gonna make it to the other side. So let me remind you this morning, you will make it through this. There is another side to this thing. God is not gonna strip everything away and kill you right here in the middle of the coronavirus crisis. This is not the end of the church. This is not the end of your life. This is not the end of your career. This is not the end of everything you've known up until this point. This is a blip on the spiritual radar and it will pass and we will get to the other side. Why? Because Jesus has already promised us that he would provide for us, that we could run to him in times like this and he would provide shelter for his people and he's promised health and wholeness and joy and everything else we need on this side of heaven. So trust me when I say, hey, Jesus still has a plan to get to the other side of this thing. And as long as we, as long as we remain faithful, as long as we remain faith-filled in the midst of this, we're gonna get there. This is not where it ends for us. Now, third question, and we're gonna land with this. And this is the question that's kind of written between the lines in the text, but a question I think we all must consider right now is this, who's watching? Who's watching this season? There's a, an interesting detail in Mark's account of this boat ride and this storm that isn't found in the other gospel writers. and It almost seems irrelevant because it's buried between two parentheses in the story, but here's what it says in, in Mark chapter 4, verse 36. It says, So they took Jesus in the boat, and they started out leaving the crowds behind. And then in parentheses it says, Although other boats followed. A detail that is often forgotten in this story is that there were some other boats that were affected by this storm. Not just other boats, but boats that were following the disciples' boat. Boats that were there because they were following the life, they were following the trajectory, they were following the trail of the disciples. So let me ask you today, who's following you in this season? Who's following what you say? Who's following the way you respond, who's following your attitude in the midst of all of this? Because there are most definitely some other boats that are following right now. Hey, moms and dads who are sheltered at home with your kids and you've never had to be in this situation before, what are those little boats watching right now? What are they hearing right now? What are they seeing displayed from the the lead boat that's ahead of them? Or, you know, those of you who've become Uh, immensely more active on social media because you've got some free time on your hands. What are all of the boats that are following you on Facebook or on Instagram or whatever social platform you choose to post on? What are they hearing from you? What are they seeing from you right now? Or let me ask it like this. What are the boats that don't have the luxury of Jesus's presence in them? What are they experiencing right now? What are they watching? See, there was only one boat that had Jesus in it, and it was the boat of the disciples. All the other boats didn't have that confidence that Jesus is here in my boat with me. So to you who have the bumper sticker on the back of your van that says, Jesus is on board, (laughs) what are people hearing from you right now? What are they witnessing? What are they hearing? Are they hearing you say, we're gonna make it to the other side? Jesus is still for us. He's not against us. Are they hearing you pray? Are they hearing you believe? 
Or are they just hearing you panic right now? Are they hearing you freak out like everybody else in all the other boats? Because rest assured, what happens in your boat affects all the other boats around you. When Jesus quieted the storm, it didn't just quiet for the disciples that were in the boat with him. It quieted for all the other boats that were on the Sea of Galilee. And I wholeheartedly believe that this season, however long it might be, is an opportunity for the people of God to display to everybody else who's watching that this is how we respond in a storm. I think this is gonna be one of the greatest harvests we've ever seen. I think more people are gonna come to Jesus on the other side of this thing than any of us could imagine. It's gonna look like revival, and it's gonna be because disciples had Jesus in their boat. They made declarations of faith in the midst of this. They said, we're gonna get to the other side. And as the storm silenced at the voice of Jesus in the boat of the disciples, in the boat of believers right now, Others are gonna reap the benefits. They're gonna see the hand of God at work in all of this. So remember, listen, as you go through this week, as you begin to hear more news, as the storm seems to get louder and more treacherous, yes, Jesus cares. He cares and he's still in your boat with you. And you do not have to be afraid. You do not have to worry in this season because he's already made a promise to you that we're gonna get through this. And remember, there's a lot of people around you watching right now. Let's display what it looks like to be steadfast and to be people of faith in the midst of this storm. I'm gonna pray for you, and and as we conclude, I will make an opportunity right now, yes, even through a camera, for anyone who's watching today that might be far from Jesus to make a decision to come close to him. Because maybe someone invited you to watch this, or maybe you stumbled on it, and you'd say, Jesus is not in my boat and I I don't feel like he's with me right now. In one breath, with one simple prayer, you can invite Jesus into your life and he will be with you through the midst of this storm. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you right now for every single one of those that's watching online or watching in a living room or wherever they're watching from today. I thank you for, for hope. Thank you that as we communicate the word in a medium that we're not accustomed to, it does not limit the power of what you say in your word that it will never return void. It will always produce fruit. And I pray that the fruit of this message will be a confidence, a a steadfastness, an understanding in every heart that you are on the boat with us in this journey, that we don't have to be afraid. We're gonna make it to the other side of this and that we can display what it looks like to be people of faith for a watching world right now. And, And if you're watching this and you were one of those I mentioned a moment ago that would say you're far from Jesus, In your heart right now, you can just simply say, Jesus, I invite you in. I thank you for giving your life for me. I thank you that you made a way for me to come close. And today I make a decision to follow you. I wanna be your disciple and to walk in your ways all the days of my life until I see you in heaven. And right there in that moment, Jesus is gonna make his way into your boat and everything is gonna change. There's gonna be a peace that comes that surpasses understanding in the midst of this thing. And Father, I pray a blessing over every single one of those in our community right now. I pray that you'd take care of every one of their physical needs, that you'd use uh, them to, to meet the needs of others and that we really would be the hands and feet of Jesus in this season like never before. Thank you that we're gonna get through this. Thank you that there is light at the end of this tunnel and thank you that in the midst of the storm, you are still with us in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, uh, if you prayed that prayer with us this morning and uh, you made that decision to follow Jesus, 
Uh, we want to hear about it. We really want to help you out. Even though we can't gather right now, we're still committed to making sure that you take your next step. And if you go to our website, tfh.church, uh, or onto our app, you can, you can click right there that you made a decision to follow Jesus, and you can give us a little bit of information about yourself. And one of our, our virtual groups will reach out to you, one of our First 40 crew, and they'll let you know that there's groups happening all around the city and all around uh, living rooms every single week where we're teaching people how to pray, how to read the Bible, and how to get started strong on this journey. So if that was you, please take advantage of that. For the rest of you guys, we love you so much. Please know that we're praying for you every single day. And if there's anything you need in this season, do not hesitate to reach out. We love you guys. Have a great Sunday morning. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we want to pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.